Are you happy to be here today? Yes. Me too. Um, everybody got their confidence sticker on? Confidence sticker? We're not up yet, huh? There we go. The wall. Um, it's safe to say that uh, I have no confidence in uh, our political system. <laughs> I have no confidence in anybody running for president, uh, not, not in the least, no confidence. Uh, and I think maybe uh, with all the things that are going on, I think maybe the Lord's trying to show us that, uh, that as a nation, uh, we have probably picked two of the worst people you can pick to run for president. And then maybe we ought to have a confidence in him more than people. Maybe we should look at it and say, this is what you deserve, but what you can have is me, which is God. Amen? Amen. And uh, so I'm praying that, uh, that neither one of them become president. Uh, and that, I'm, t- I'm, I'm honestly praying that, that neither one of them become president because I, uh, we deserve both of them. Uh, they could be vice president and president. We deserve both of them. But I don't want neither one of them. And so um, I'm praying that, that God's will will be done and a, a miracle will take place and that I don't have to vote for either one of them because I have no confidence in them. I have no confidence in our political system. I have no confidence in anything anymore. You know what? Maybe that's just right where God wants me to be, that I can truly have confidence in him and him alone because th- that's, where, that's where our confidence needs to be. Am I right or wrong? I mean, we have grown so far away from God that we've lost generations that don't have any idea who God is or they have a, a thought of who God is, but it's not no, clearly the God in, in, in the Word of God. It's not the, the God that we know. And so I want to have confidence only in God. And the abilities that he gives me, I want to have confidence in, in those abilities that he gives me. This is probably the, I'm 61 years old, this is probably the worst shape I've ever seen this country in. It's the worst political system I've ever, ever, I couldn't even imagine this happening when I was younger. There's always been people, you know, one people don't like this and that and the other. But we're turning into a country of hate. And, and that's not God. That's not God at all. And if you don't agree with me, well, you're a bigot and you're this, that and the other. And it's both sides, it doesn't matter. And that's not the way we're called to live, are we? I am confident that God will do what he wants done, no matter who takes control of this government that we're in. I am confident that I will follow Jesus no matter where it takes me. I am confident in that, but I am not confident in man. I'm not confident in the Democrat Party. I'm not confident in the Republican Party or the Independent Party. I have no confidence in that. But I want to tell you the good news is that we have a way out. Now, I'm almost to the point where I'm just going to write in Jesus Christ as president. <laughs> just in, take that ballot, you know, and just write the whole thing, big black marker, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's almost to the point where I'm at. Uh, we'll see. As, as the next few weeks go, uh, our, our copier wasn't working today, so we can't give you bulletins, but I will be giving you a, a, a note from the pastor and then uh, things that I feel deep within my heart such as abortion and other things, and what each party comes off of their, off of their uh, website, what they believe, and then what God believes about each thing. And I think that we need to do that 
in any time of election, not just this year, but any time, so people can clearly see what each party believes in and what God believes. And then you pray and, you, and let God direct you where to go. I think that's fair, amen? amen. There was a time in 1954, uh, I don't know if young people, mostly he's church full of young people, but there was a, a man named Lyndon Johnson who ended up becoming president in, in 64, but in 54 he was a senator in, Dem, in, the, uh, in Texas. And there was a pastor down in Texas that uh, was holding him accountable to what he said he believed. And so Mr. Johnson, Senator Johnson at the time, took, uh, took very much offense to that. And so we put in a bill that would, uh, would take, strip the church of all their tax exemptions if we would speak out for one party to another. And so the church has been kind of shut down since 1954 because of Lyndon Johnson. And they're trying to repeal that again so I can actually speak my heart where I can't speak my heart. Does that make sense to y'all? See, that's not the way it always has been. It was implemented because a man didn't like a preacher that was telling him the truth. And so that's where we are in this nation. I'm tapping. I'm, I'm tapping, but it ain't coming up. It's still not coming. Not on my screen. Am I, do I get to, did I get to go down there again today? That would be fun. Huh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this message, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that our confidence must be in you. And you are clearly showing us, Lord, that if we put our confidence in any man or woman or thing, then, Lord, we are completely off of where you want us to be. Lord, would you go with us today? Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might clearly see the words that you want to have us to give us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I got it, I got it. Thank you, Ray. Have you seen? Have you seen what that God of yours can do with the man or woman filled with confidence in him? Have, have, you, have you seen that? Are you seeing less of it? Because, see, as the church, we need to be showing the confidence. That's the confidence that I know that no matter where God takes me, no what position I'm in, no matter who he puts in front of me, I have confidence that he's right there with me. And I, I want you to understand, you can, you can be confident in that. You can be confident to stand firm. You can be confident that when you're sending something out over the, over the mass media today, that you can be confident that God's with you, if it's of God. If it comes through his truth, through his truth of his word, you can be confident that the power is there with it in those words. And I, I think as a church, we, we are, we're so much on defense, and we've got to turn, like I tell you, continually over to offense. You've got to quit reacting and, and act. <laughs> You've got to put it out there. No matter what people say, this don't even, don't, you do not have to answer every question. You do not have to go back and say, well, this is why. You do not have to do that. What you need to do is be confident that whatever God gives you, he's sending out through you. So I have seen what this God, I've seen what he can do in our lives. I can see it through the people. I can see it through, through Bill and Sandy. I've known Bill and Sandy for many, many years. You know what? They're not the person they used to be. They were always good people, but they're coming along even more. They're learning more. They're learning how to counsel people. They're learning how to love people in a different way because God is putting that in their lives. 
They're, they're not. And, and, and Bill's parent, Bill's kids would tell you he's not the man he was when he was younger. I, I pick on you all the time anymore, Bill. I don't know why. But they're, they're, they're growing in confidence in God. It's not because of them, but because of God. Right? Amen? That's what it is. It's because God has enlightened their hearts to grow confident in who he is. And until you can grow confident in God, you're always going to struggle in your faith. You're always going to, to struggle, well, is God really here? Is, God, well, is this really right? And that's why it's so important that we always start to learn what the Word of God says, that as we speak, we speak through the Word of God and not through what we think. So if you've seen what that God of yours can do with a man or woman filled with confidence in him, I've seen it, you've seen it, and people need to see it through you. Do you agree with me or not? Good. I'll tell you what, I wrote this sermon in about 10 minutes. That's the truth. It took me about 10 minutes to write, 10, 15 minutes to write this sermon. I got up, I, through the middle of night, Thursday night, I usually get up and I, and uh, we actually we was going to have a guest speaker in this week, and because of the hurricane, John couldn't come up. So I, I knew that I was, I was already preparing for next week's sermon. And then when I found out Wednesday or Thursday or something that he wasn't going to make it, I thought, okay, this will be interesting. And I said, well, you could have used next week's sermon for this week. No, that's not what I could have do because that's not what God wanted me to do. <laughs> but because I, I wanted to have this, and I woke up through the middle of the night, Thursday night, uh, uh, the, the word the wall kept coming to me. And I was thinking the wall, there's all kinds of walls in the Bible, Joshua and, and Nehemiah and the wall, and, and I kept praying over that. And then as I was coming to early that morning over here to start putting a sermon together, I had no idea what it was going to be. I realized that I had confidence in God to supply what we needed. And as I learned to trust God more and to have confidence in him, the more I separate from myself. Does that make sense to you? The more I don't have to depend on myself, I can depend on God. And that's confidence in God. And not myself or anything else, but him. And that's where he wants us to be. Confident enough to change things when he's asking us to change things. Not because you don't want to change because you're so comfortable where you're at. But to actually change your life because you're growing confident in him. That you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay in brokenness. You don't have to stay in, in, a, in a, you've got a little bit of understanding of God. You don't have to stay there. You can be confident that God always wants to lift you up, always wants to, to fill you more. You don't have to be confident in the government supplying the things you need. Be confident in God supplying the things you need because he's promised he would. And you say, well, I don't have, I don't have the idea how that's going to happen. Well, that is a wonderful thing to know that you don't know how it's going to happen because then you have to trust God with how it's going to happen. Amen? That's exactly where God wants us to understand, to trust him. So I want you to, I'm going to, I've changed some things in, in the way I'm going to preach here, hopefully, and we'll see where God's going to take us. But I want you to understand, in Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you both, to will and to do for his good pleasure. See, the, I, if I can grab a hold of that verse, and, and like I've told you many times, if I can fall in love with that one verse, I can start to fall in love with what God's wanting me to do. And so for it is God who works in you. See, it's not, it's, not the, it's not you who works in you. It is God who works in you. And to understand those things, you have to start your prayer life, you have to start studying, and you need to be in church. 
I saw a thing that says a, a person in church, a religion is a person in church that, that's thinking about being out on the, uh, the lake. And, another, and this next statement was, and the person in the lake that's thinking about church, and it, somehow that was, that's, that's narcissism. They're both wrong. Both thinkings, both ideology is wrong. I shouldn't be on the lake. I should be where God asked me to be. And, and if I'm in church thinking about something else, that's wrong again. It's all, that's all, that, none of that's right. But yet what they were trying to convince us that church doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Because Christ is coming back for his church. Amen? He's not coming back for the lost world. He's coming back for his church. He said, well, I don't have to go to the building. Well, whatever you think, but that's not what the Bible says. It clearly states what we need to do. We're to gather together in love and understand and grow in Christ. How are you going to learn without a teacher or preacher? We read that. So the ideology of that that is completely wrong. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good purpose. Living without a cause is living without any confidence in Christ. When you don't have Christ, when you don't understand who is, you've only got what you've got, me. I lived a lot of years relying on me. And a lot of you are still living in your years relying on you. Well, how's it working out? Somebody says, well, I'm doing just fine. Oh, really? So far, so good, yeah. Really? We could go a little deeper and talk about all kinds of things, and we could really figure out that your issues are not fine. You're trying to cover them up with a lie, and it won't work. So living without a cause is living without any confidence in Christ. So our government and our politicians that throw God out of everything, they're not living with the same purpose and the same cause that we are. They can't. They don't see the things that we see. They don't understand the things we understand. Their theology is all messed up. Their ideology is all messed up. I got a few props up here. I need, I'm going to need two people up here, just two for today. Now on adults. Uh, Regina and somebody else. Is Regina? No, 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 adults. No, you're not an adult. Come on up here, Regina. Todd, thank you. Give them a hand. They have confidence. They have confidence. I'm not going to mess them up too much. This is yours. And this is yours. Now, I hand him these two things because the first I'm getting ready to leave is going to, is going to turn into this, go into this. But this young man has a tool, and what, I'm, what that tool represents is all the ways we think that we can work ourselves to heaven or work ourselves where God wants us to be. We all... Many people believe if they don't have confidence in God that if they do enough things in their life that God will see that and be okay with that. And, and no matter what it is, he's going to be okay because you are trying to do the best you can in your life. And that's what the tools you You come up with all kinds of, of thoughts and ideas in your mind. I'll go to church once a year and maybe God, God will bless that. I'm sure he will. And, and I, you know, I'm just going to be the best person I can be and God will, will bless that. And then when you die, everybody says he's in a better place. No, you're not. You're lying to yourself. You're allowing Satan to lie to yourself. And you're not. Because working your way with whatever tools you want to work, and this one's completely dead, right? 
Yeah. Won't work. Well, you know why? Too far. It's not going to go too far. You know why? Because <laughs> it's dead. It, you're dead. You, you can't work your way to heaven. You can see this all through the Bible. In Ephesians chap, chapter 2, verse 10, it clearly tells us. And Regina, hold out that Bible. Now, Regina understands the truth. I'm going to tell you something. This is a sweet girl. You know that? Do you know that every Sunday morning... Do you know that every Sunday morning somebody does the dishes and doesn't say a word? you know who that is? Regina. <laughs> it's Regina. Well, then you don't have to. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But, you know, she doesn't do it to work her way to heaven. She does it because she loves God. And she's wanting to serve the way that she can serve. She understands that. She's working her way not to heaven through tools, but through the word of God, through love. Through things we're called to work our way through heaven the way we can. That's what God's giving her to do. That's what she does. And she's fine with it. She's so fine with it that she doesn't complain that nobody comes back and helps her. That's how fine. You know, that is a, a heart by God because most people would complain. And I've heard people complain. I'm the only one back here. I'm always the only one back But that's not Regina. That's the heart of God. So this person over here would be going back there to do it because he thinks that that's going to give favor with him, with God. When in reality, the favor will come through Regina because her heart's in it. Amen? Thank you, guys. Living without a cause is living without any confidence in Christ. For if we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit... Rejoice Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Now what does that mean? For we are the circumcision. In other words, the Jews were, were, are God's people. They're, they're set apart. But the Jews have a problem to that, from that day into this day they still think because they're set apart or they're God's people that they don't have to come to Christ. They're, just, they're different because God set up that nation and therefore they have a free ticket to heaven. And they live by the Ten Commandments. They still live that way. They try to live by the Levitical law. And they think that's going to, to do it. Well, I tell you, it's not going to do it. So he's saying, for we are the circumcision... And if you could look at the church today, that's set apart, the holy ones. For we are the holy ones who worship God in spirit, in the spirit. I worship God. As Brooke's up here singing, you can just see her worshiping God. And I can see a lot of you this morning worshiping God through the spirit. That's who you are. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. That's how come, why you're worshiping him. You're rejoicing in him and have no confidence in the flesh. And that's exactly what I've been talking about this morning, trying to separate myself from my flesh, which is a very hard thing to do. So I, I, I see this. I have no confidence in the flesh. And Paul's telling me, do not have confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, and Paul's trying to tell you something. If Paul was alive today, and I tell a lot of people this, if Paul was alive today, he's a, he, he was a very much an intellect. He was, he was a highly intelligent, educated man, one of the most highest educated men in the time. If he was here today, you'd probably know him. He would be writing real wonderful books like he wrote 13 of them in the New Testament. You would know him just like you know him because he's a smart, intelligent man and he loved the Lord. He wouldn't be a stranger and that's what he's trying to tell you. 
Though I also might have confidence in the flesh because he knew who he was in the flesh. He knew his abilities. If anyone else thinks he, ha- he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. But he knows that the confidence in the flesh won't get it done. And he's trying to help his fellow Jews. Confidence in Christ builds a wall. That's what the sermon's about. A wall, a fortress that no man or Satan can knock down. If you could just think of a, uh, I'm telling Brooke this morning, if you could just think of this invisible wall that God's wanting to build around you. And it's, I say it's an invisible wall because God wants everybody to see it in you. That anything that comes against you, against this invisible dome around you, it bounces off. Any negative, any hatred, anything that the world is trying to destroy with you, anything that they, they send back to you when you're sending out the word of truth, it just bounces off. You're not going to pay attention to it because that would be falling in the trap of Satan. And I know none of you would pay attention to it, right? Now, if you have confidence in Christ, you can understand that the ones that are coming back with the hatred and the, and the, the disillusions that should just bounce off and not even, not even start to, to take your thoughts away from where God's trying to guide people. So confidence of Christ builds a wall, a fortress that no man or Satan can knock down. In Nehemiah, he was a wonderful man, a slave. The king's cupbearer, and I, I can't, I'm not going through the whole story, I'm not going to have time to do that. But he had an opportunity to go back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And part of that wall still stands to today. They call it the Welling Wall. When you go to Jerusalem, that's one of the places you want to go. You'll see all the Jews going to that wall and praying. They still believe, I can pray anywhere, but they want to pray right there at that wall. That wall was tore down when the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem and took everybody captive. And 70-some years later, Nehemiah is going back by the grace of God, and he has confidence in God, God has given it to over and over again. God has showed him that I'm going to be with you, Nehemiah. I'm going to be with you. I want you to rebuild the wall. And so he does. And, and, and many different stress levels come into his life. Many different trials come into his life. Many different things that would make you turn around and go back and say this is not what God planned will come into his life. But I'm telling you, if you have confidence that God is directing you right where he wants you to be, that Stuff will just fall away from you. No matter what people try to do to you, it will disappear because you have confidence in God. And they're showing this here in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 4.3, it says, somebody give me that name. Now, Tobath, we'll just call him that, the Ammonite, was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So clearly they're trying to disillusion the people of Israel, Jerusalem. And they're trying to disillusion Nehemiah. They're trying to to get him to say, no matter what you do, you should not have any confidence in this wall. It's not going to stand up against a fox. But Nehemiah knows better. He knows better. He knows that no matter what people say to him or or throw at him or no matter what they say they're going to do, he knows his God is going to protect them. Now, he's not a fool either. And they would go on to build this wall, and they would build it with one man with a sword watching guard because these people were going to come out. All the the people around them were going to come and try to destroy this. They didn't want this wall being built. Now, isn't that funny? Because, see, the, the world would be happy to destroy the church, wouldn't it? 
In fact, some people in our government would be happy to destroy the church, and if you don't believe that, you're just wrong. They would happy, be happy to see the church be destroyed. And as, 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 as secularism takes over more and more and more in our world, and progressive, as these things take over more in our world, the more they want to do away with the church. They have to, because it's the only thing that stands in the way between them and absolute power. It's the church. The same as then. They don't want anything of God, the true God, being built. And so they'll say things and do things that will try to diminish your confidence in God, your walk with God. They will throw all kinds of things at you. But you've got to know your God. You've got to know the word of God and the truth of God and be confident that what he sets out to do will be accomplished. Amen? It will be accomplished. And as they built the wall in 52 days, which is a complete miracle, you've got to understand the times, everything, there was rubble, everything. They came back, everything was completely destroyed. There was nobody living around there, just a few people living in there. And they, they tried to be rebuild the temple, and everything is completely a mess. And so they started out with a complete mess, much like we have today in our, in our world. We have a complete mess. I'll tell you something. If the United States falls, the whole world falls. And if I read my Bible correctly, the Antichrist will come back at that time. Not so much the United States, but when the world is in such desperate need that nobody knows who to turn to. And some stranger is going to come along and say, here I am, and we're going to bring peace to the world. Well, we're close to that. If you don't see it, it's because you're not seeing it through the eyes of God. You're seeing it through the eyes of the world. But it's not here yet. And as a church, we are called to give the good news. Amen? We are called to bring in the people from the destruction that is going to take place, whether it's this time or another time. Our job is still the same. And as it gets harder and harder, our job is still the same. Amen? It does not change. It, it will not change. We are to give the good news in season and out of season, all the time. And if we're not confident in the word of God, confident in the promises of God, and the truth and the love of God, then we're going to falter. And the church has done that long enough, I think. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of, how do you pronounce that word? Huh? Elu, that's what I thought. In 52 days, what an amazing thing. See, that, that's back to that first principle. Have you ever seen what that God of ours can do? Have you seen it? It's right here in the Word of God. And you say, well, I'm not sure I want to believe that. Well, you can believe whatever you want, but it's right here in the Word of God. These things are written down. It's history. It happened. And in 52 days, it happened. That is a miracle. There was all kinds. If you go read Nehemiah, study Nehemiah probably more than any book in the Bible. If you go read, uh, read Nehemiah, Satan was throwing the kitchen sink and everything he could at Nehemiah and God's people. Did not accomplish this because he knew it was going to show the whole world that God is still in control. So he wanted very much to make this falter, to not happen. And that's what's going on today. 
He doesn't want the church to rise at all. He doesn't want people to come to Christ at all. He wants just the opposite. But what my God can do is amazing. Thousands of years ago, and he's still the same God, and he's still working the same ways. He's just looking for Nehemiahs and people that will follow Nehemiah under the truth of God. Amen? He's just looking for you. You say, well, I can't do this. Well, he's not asking you to do this. But he is asking you to love people right where they're at. He's asking you not to engage in the hatred of this world, but to show them something different. Show them the love of Christ. Amen? To show them that we're above these things. I wish no ill will on anybody, but I will tell them the truth. And how they accept it is between them. It's not, that's, that's not my deal. That's God's deal. Between them and God. So God shows us what this God of ours can do by building this wall and says he's telling us he'll do the same today. And he's also telling us if you'll read the word of God and understand there's so many things that are going to come at you, but if you'll stay confident in who God is, you'll see the glory of God. And it happened. Look at that. And it happened. In 52 days, in verse 16, and it happened. Amen. And it happened. It, oh, wow, it happened. It, it's what God said was going to happen, and it happened. And what God says is going to happen today is going to happen. I have complete confidence in that verse, and it happened. So when all the enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, I'll stop it, all the enemies, what's the enemies? Everybody outside of God, Right? I don't care how good of people they are. I don't care what. They're still the outside of God. So all the people, the people that were calling and saying the foxes are going to knock it down and the people were causing trouble with tax issues at the time. There was all kinds of problems going on. Money issues, financial issues, food issues. There were all kinds of things going on. These people were dealing with all of this. They had families to feed and they had a wall to build. And who's paying for it? What do you think that they just didn't, that the, all these things took place just like it is with you today. You have families to feed. You have jobs to do. You have cars to pay for. You have mortgages to pay for. They did too. They had camels to pay for. They did too. Luckily, they didn't have electric bills like mine. But they still had bills. And Satan was going to use all of that. And if you'll read Nehemiah, which I had, if I had three hours, I could preach more to you. You could read that and understand that they were true people just like us. With real problems, just like with real issues, just like us. They had married women outside of Jews, and that was a problem at that time. They've done a lot of things, and they had to repent of it and give things up they never thought they would have to give up. But yet they did it. Because they had confidence in what God was doing. Amen? They did it. And all the nations around us saw these things. Good gracious. All the nations around us saw these things. What do you think would happen to the world if the church would rise up again and we put God back into our government where it belongs? And you say, well, God don't belong in our government. Well, you just don't know what, how this government was set up. I'm sorry. You're just ignorant of those facts. We threw God out. But he belongs there. Amen? 
If you don't believe me, then why is Washington set up in a cross? Why is on top of the, the Washington Monument, the Capitol up there, set in, in, in Latin? It's got a few words, but it means God, glory. Laos, is it Laos, Dios, something like that. Why is the Moses on the Supreme Court with the Ten Commandments there? That was done a long time ago. I think it was done back when the country was founded. So what happened? I think God was everywhere. <laughs> and if you go to the Smithsonian's museum up here, you'll see that the country, you'll see in one part that it's, the world's about a 10 billion years old or something like that. And the next part, stuff about God. It doesn't go to, it's oxymoron. We are a messed up country. We are messed up people. Because we, we try to bring secularism in to fit in with God, and when it doesn't fit in, secularism just continues to throw God out. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Ula in 52 days, and it happened when all the enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. Oh, man. They had to recognize that God was God. And they saw the confidence in God's people to go through and build what God gave them to do. And the whole world had to see it. And they were disheartened because they knew that there was a true God. In their own eyes, for they perceived, perceived and perceived as a wonderful thing we have today. You can either perceive God not to be the true God, or you can perceive God to be the real God, which I do. And this perception, sometimes it takes the place of facts. I have confidence in the word of God, and I perceive God because I know God. Amen? If you do not know God, then you perceive God in the filter that you want to perceive him in. And it's always going to be of a sin nature. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. They had to, didn't they? They had no choice. They had thrown everything they could at him, and God would not stop. Because I know what my God can do. Amen? We're going to close here in a minute. But I want you to stand here in a few minutes when we read Hebrews. It's not about, Brooke, come on up. It's not about how knowledgeable you are. I took a test the other day, and I won. it was a 100-question test. It took me a little while to go through it. And it was a test, and it had all kinds of literature. Uh, who wrote this, and what was in this, and, and all kinds of things. And, and because I'm 61 years old, I've learned a few things in my life. Some of it I knew, some of it I didn't know. But it also had all kinds of things about mathematics, and just all kinds of things. about. And some of it was about God's Word. And I was very surprised that it was about that. It was to see what your education is. Well, see, I know what my education is. It ain't much. You don't, have to, you don't have to ask me. I know what my education is. But I wanted to, to answer the questions of the world and, answer, and to see what, what I would perceive my education to be. So I went through it. It took a good little time to go through this. Because I wanted that just to see. You know I'm a college graduate. I never had to pay any money. <laughs> I didn't have to pay any money. But according to the world, I'm a college graduate. No, yeah, no, she wasn't around with this. College graduate, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Because you, 
what I understand is I have confidence in God. And the abilities I have is not from man, but from God. I, some of you people say, well, I have a hard time reading the Bible. Me more so. A hard time understanding words. Me more so. You have no excuse. I can't talk in front of people. Me more so. I got story after story that I could show, share with you. Me more so. Your confidence is in yourself instead of God. I have no confidence in myself because I know the abilities I have. The world may think I'm a college graduate by the test they give me, but I fooled them good. It's not about the knowledge you are, you are but what your knowledge is in. Amen? I love the Word of God. I struggled understanding the Word of God. So I put myself in positions that people could help me understand the Word of God. I went to BSF for 10 years. I became a leader there for three years. I did Bible study after Bible study on my own and with churches. I taught and I taught for year after year because every time I taught, I learned more than the people I was teaching. And I cannot give you what I don't know. Amen? So I put myself in positions to learn the Word of God, to be confident in the Word of God. It didn't zap me. God did not zap me, but I spent the time because I fell in love with God. And the problem, I think, with a lot of church people is they're not falling in love with God and falling in love with people. You, if you're not in love with God, you will not be in love with people. So it's not about how knowledgeable you are, but what your knowledge is in that grows confidence in your abilities for Christ. Amen? When you get knowledgeable about God, when you get in your prayer life, when you start reading a verse or, or daily devotionals, and you really get excited about God and the history of our, this is the history of the world. It isn't rewritten by man's philosophy and man's ideology. This is God. It's the history of the world from the first day all the way to the end, to the last day. It's right here. It's not even that big of a Bible, 66 books. I don't need government plans and government ideas to get my knowledge. In the beginning of schools, the Congress supplied the schools with Bibles. And that's how they learned to read and write, was through King James. The Congress issued that law. The Congress paid for that, or we did, the people. And now we can't even bring a Bible to school without being ridiculed. What a shame. So it's not about how much knowledge you are, but what your knowledge is in that grows confidence in your abilities for Christ. Will you stand with me please and we'll read these verses. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore as the Holy Spirit says today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Let me, read, let me read one more time. I want you to take this in. But Christ as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. They're not talking about holding on to your salvation. They're talking about you being alive. Alive in Christ. 
alive. Not worried about what the world thinks, but being confident and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, all the way through your life. And therefore, as the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit fills you, today, if you will hear his voice, and he's, anybody, anybody, if you're, if you're walking away from God, if you don't know God, you know the one of the most wonderful things about Jesus Christ is you don't all have to know everything about him because you're not going to know everything about him until the day you die and start to really learn. But you can learn enough about him to come to him and understand that he is the salvation we seek for eternal life. So today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Billy Graham's 98 years old. I grew up with that man. There's not a man on the face of the planet ever whoever has preached to as many people and led probably as many people to the Lord as that man. He's 98. His son, Franklin Graham, talks just like him. He, he looks a lot like him. And he's on offense. Billy Graham was always on offense. Every president, since he was a young man, most of you may not know this, but every president, when they became elected, you know who they had to go see? Billy Graham. They went to see Billy Graham. If you're in England and you're a prime minister, you know who you go see? You go see the queen. Every president, including Obama, Mr. Obama, went and saw Billy Graham. He prayed with them. He prayed with him over the nation. What I would fear more than anything is that a president would not go visit Mr. Billy Graham. Billy Graham's getting older. One day he won't be with us any longer. And Franklin Graham is doing a wonderful job taking over where his father left him. But you're looking at two godly men. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't line up with these men, not these men because they line up with the word of God, but if, you're, if your ideology is not close to what theirs is, there's something wrong. I don't have confidence then, but I have confidence in their faith in Christ. And Christ uses men like that to show us the path. Amen? He uses you the same way. I was at that conference or that prayer thing the other day with, Billy, with Franklin Graham. There was over 8,000 people there. and They all was kind of closed in together. And it wasn't just Southern Baptists, because that's what they are, whether you didn't know that or not, they are Southern Baptists. It wasn't that. They're not worried about that. It was Catholics. It was every denomination we have was there. I heard a man speaking in tongues next to me. I heard all kinds of wonderful prayers going on. He overreaches every denomination, Catholics, all of them, because he had one thing. And when Billy Graham preached, he had one thing. Jesus loves you. Amen? That's what he had. He had confidence that Jesus loves you. The challenge for the week changing this up a little bit, is to let every moment in the confidence that Jesus has saved you, that he loves you, and, he, and that he is with you. Amen? You can have that confidence. If your life has issues going on in it, and you know the direction you've been taking, it's not just of God. It's, it's not good for your life at all. And you've tried and tried and tried things. 
and you keep failing. I'm telling you, there's one. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ that can change every aspect of your life. He can take your life from a complete disaster to all the hope and all the faith you'll ever need. And he'll build confidence, not in yourself, but in who he is in you. And he's willing to do that today. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you that you show us in the word of God that we have complete confidence in you. Lord, sometimes we, we stray away and we get hurt. But you always show your power of your love. You don't ridicule us and you don't just try to destroy us. You try to bring us back. And you do it through an awesome thing called love. That this world has no idea what even it is. I'm asking you, Lord, to reach down and touch the hearts here. This little church. That we can make a difference in other people's lives. The ones here that are living in sin and living in a way that will hurt their lives. And that's what sin is. It hurts our lives. It hurts us and you direct us to, to get out of sin so we will not be hurt. Would you sh please, Lord, show them the path and it comes through the cross. Would you open us up, Father, and plant the Holy Spirit today in those lives that truly want a change? Would you show them your power and build confidence? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're welcome at these tables. Come and enjoy the Lord today, will you please?